This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Good morning. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, good morning, Heidi. Uh, it's uh, August in uh, California, and it's warm here. How's the, weather, how's the weather in New York? It's 100 degrees. It's hot. It's hot. New York City is a very is not really a place you want to be in August. I always tell people that want to come to New York in August, I say, I have one word for you, don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really hot. I mean, the subway, there's a lot, there's 9 million people living here. So right. there's, it's, you know, very, very hot. But, um... And, you know, this, we always talk about summers and how summers can be difficult for people, Mom, because the kids are all out playing in the water. There's water everywhere here. So there's a lot of kids running around in their bathing suits, as I'm sure there is in California, of course, with all the beaches. Absolutely. And that brings up stuff for people. That yeah. brings up loss. You look at all these kids and you think of your own children and your own siblings. Oh, or your spouse not being there to enjoy uh, the activities with the kids or, you know, your sibling not doing what they did. And, and also people go to, to summer homes or camps or whatever. And sometimes you have to explain where your uh, sibling is, why they aren't at camp this year or, you know, or you have to uh, go somewhere and, and say that your husband's not with you this year. Oh, I, I remember it was very difficult for a friend of mine who I play golf who went back to the you know golf course to the club and uh, and had to uh, start playing again with everybody uh, knowing that her spouse had just died it was tough speaking well, of well and you're bringing up a good you're bringing up a good point about spouses not being there to see your kids grow up because the bottom line is no one is as interested in your children's day-to-day little activities as your as your partner as your spouse Absolutely. you know you can share you share child raising with your spouse and to not have that go-to person is really really hard to be a single parent and not have someone that wants to hear the day in and day out of your children's lives. Absolutely. Well, that uh, brings up our guest today, uh, Sandra Straub, who we met at ADAC, the Association of Death Educators. Um, let's see, when was it, Heidi? And can't think of the day. In, uh, it was April. It wasn't in April. It was April 7th. Oh, good. Thank you, Sandra. I just wanted to butt in and tell you. (laughs) She came in for us. Well, ADAC, we've talked about it before, the Association of Death Educators and um, Grief Counselors. It's a great organization and and comes up with great information. And uh, go on their website and take a look at it. Because uh, and for the professionals listening out there, I would just say it's a wonderful place to meet other people that are doing the same kind of work you are, and that are working for people with people that are grieving. And like you said, Mom Sandra is an adjunct professor at Bear University and Webster University. And yes. you say, Mom, she's written three books. Yeah, Sandra, yes, you've been I busy. Have. I've written three books on my fourth. Wow. Wow, you're doing another one, huh? First, Death Without Notice? Well, the fourth, yeah, the fourth one is on Alzheimer's disease, so it's not the actual dying process, but... Well, that's... Well, for sure, the person that you knew, you know, you have to lose them, which... That part has certainly had a death occur, right? Yeah, that's a really, really tough, tough deal. And Heidi knows because her uh, mother-in-law has Alzheimer's, right, Heidi? Yeah, and she's in a very, oh. I think, what we would consider the final stages, the stages of where she doesn't recognize anybody. Um, physically, yeah. she seems fairly healthy, but mentally, she's definitely in her own world. So, yeah, it is, yeah. It is interesting to have that kind of loss. I mean, and, and I know we're getting off topic a little bit, but it's interesting to grieve the loss of someone that is still here. 
and grieving oh, the yes. loss of the person that you once knew. Right. Um, so that can even happen in divorce also. You know, even if someone just mm-hmm. gets a divorce, I've always thought of that as a walking death. Yeah, yeah. I, that's, you know, I totally there. agree with you. That's a really, a really tough, tough situation too. Well, Sandra, um, you, uh, you work at the Treasure Coast Hospice in uh, Florida, yes. and uh, wow, uh, you bring so much to By them. The way, it's very hot here too. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I said very hot here, and we oh have beaches, but. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, you, you bring so much to that hospice with um, having your own loss in your life. Your uh, 31-year-old husband who died of a brain aneurysm. Was that a sudden death? And uh, how many years ago was that? Yes, it was very sudden. It was in 1984. So um, if we talk about how sudden, he was 31 years old, very That's happy, funny. very healthy, had his whole wow. life ahead of him. And then one second later, he was not there. He was in a coma for three days, and we had just gotten married. So I, I had oh, just no. a year, just over a year, and I had been married and divorced before that. So you know, with that walking death, <laughs> and then into mm-hmm. this relationship with who was my soulmate, and I thought that was the end of the world for me. Never thinking that I would ever be able to cope with that, or, but I, um, I did, and. It wasn't without having suicidal ideation, not caring about anything, not getting up in the morning, not getting dressed, not caring whether I got dressed, not caring about eating. The only thing I have to say that saved me was my 8-year-old daughter. And the one day she came to me and said, Mommy, where are you? I don't I don't see you anymore. And oh, my goodness, yeah. Just the one little statement kind of woke me up. And, you know, I figured... It, it more than one person's suffering was enough, you know, that she was, she had lost her father too. And I wasn't even paying any attention to that. I was so selfish in my own grief that I, I tried to make it work and I, I did a lot better, but it took me a good, a good, I'd say a good six months. Thank God I had a great job where they let me just take off anytime I wanted. Were you, you know? in, were you I in the hospice area then? No, I was not. I was working for Stony Brook University in the Department of Microbiology. I was just a, a little typist in the clerk area at the time. And um, actually, I was going to nursing school. I was graduating in three weeks. Oh, my. Could not do nursing after that. Transferred all my credits over and got my bachelor's in gerontology because my heart had always been with the elderly. And then I got my master's in counseling with a focus in grief counseling, and that's how it all started and then went on and got my doctorate in human services mm-hmm. and now I do all the education for the um, for hospice volunteers and I started a support group for long on Long Island for young widows which is still ongoing and I I think Definitely. that that was probably one of my the best things I have ever done in my life because young widows were the forgotten ones you know if mm-hmm. you if you were under 50 at that time and had a husband die it, you know, the first thing that was said to you, oh, you're still young, you know, you'll get married again. Don't worry, you know, you'll be okay. But that's not always the case. I think when you're younger, you expect to share the rest of your life with this person and you don't want well, the rest and, of and your life. Well, and it's also, Sandra, it's, I, I work with, I've been working with 9-11 young widows for eight years. And it's mm-hmm. also, it also kind of implies that people that we love are replaceable. You know, you're oh, going to yeah. get married again. Well, yeah, I'll get married again, but the person I'm going to marry, and I'll probably, I, I might fall in love, but that person is not going to be the, the person that died. That I left. It's a whole different relationship. Right. 
And I have to say, I am married again. I love my husband very much, but he's not my husband who died, and he never will be. And he doesn't try to be. But the thing is, is that for the first, um, I'd have to say for the first four to five years of my marriage to him, I, I wanted him to be, which affected my marriage. Thank God my husband the same. I think he was dropped out of the sky because no other man would have put up with me uh, comparing him all the time to Leo. You know, I constantly compared him. And I I, thank God I had a a daughter that was, um, I had enough sense to to wake me up that I had a husband who dealt with all of the stuff that I gave him during those early years of marriage. And thank goodness that I was able to go on back to school and, and help others and by starting that support group which I thought at the time was for my own self well well tell, yeah it, uh, what a great journey Heidi this is exactly what what we love on the show is to see people's journey and, and the honesty and the you know getting right down to it like you do Sandra it's great one of the questions that our um, widows want to know is and widowers what about dating how did you do it when can I start you know, we have people send us emails that they want to marry somebody and everybody says it's too early. I mean, how do you, and then we had somebody on the show not too long ago who said he didn't wait long enough and, and now he's married and he's having to work it out. And, you know, I, I don't know, maybe that's not even right. Maybe he'd have to work it out anyway. It doesn't matter how long. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, that's going to happen whether you've been married or not. You know, sometimes people force you into getting married because you're, you know, oh, you're getting too old. You're going to miss the dating scene if you don't get married. It could be a lot of reasons. If, you know, say you're in the middle of jobs or you've got to move to another country or you're going into the service or, you know, maybe I should get married before. There's lots of reasons why, you know, when you're in a situation like that. My situation was very, very different. And I can tell you why because my husband and I... (laughs) He he died a very unusual way while we were making love. So I wow, I don't know if I'm. So <laughs> wow, I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yes, and he had a. He's 31 years old. When they did the autopsy, they found out it was a weak blood vessel. So wow. just after climax, that was it. He was in a coma for three days. Wow. Now my part of my depression and my guilt and my suicide ideation was definitely do because I took the blame of killing him. Oh. So there are situations out there every day like this one, but people don't talk about it. No, and you're right. They you are. Know, there are. Mm-hmm. It's called disenfranchised grief, and it's a form of disenfranchised grief because a lot of wid- a lot of people are widowed. You know, a lot of husbands or wives die every day, but not a lot of them die in that way where the person mm-hmm. that is left behind can share it. And so... That that was very tough for me. So as far as the dating, I didn't want to have anything to do with anyone. Right. <laughs> and just to put a little humor on it. I mean, I was so afraid to get involved again. I'd been married and divorced, mm. married and widowed, and afraid I was going to hurt someone else. So, I mean, that's what your head is thinking. Right. Right. And, so, and like you said, and, and, and grief isn't rational, and and people, I'm sure, tried to minimize instead of acknowledge and validate that right now it's, it was painful for where, where you were. And I'm thinking about a lot of our guests who who do feel guilt and thinking they could have prevented or stopped the way that their children, their siblings died. You know, I think that's common. Like that happens so often. You think, well, if I had done something different, if it had been a different scenario, and like and like you said, Sandra, it sounds like your husband would have eventually died anyway if his if he had 
it sounds like he had something wrong with his brain, right? He had well, a it was a, it was a brain, it was a weak blood vessel, and it could. He had a 17 okay. year old cousin that died from the same thing 10 years before wow. that. So his chances of it happening at some other point in his life, yes, were there. I have to mm-hmm. say now, I remember saying in the beginning, I wish it had happened some other way, but I look back now right. after all these years and say, no, this is the way. I'm glad it happened. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had great memories. And just to, to tell you something that's really interesting is that my husband now, the one that I met, that I kept pushing away, by the way, for a year and a half. I didn't want anything to do with anyone. And that's when you end up meeting the person that you're, <laughs> you're spending your life with is with someone that you have no intentions of dating. But it's funny that I met him at the same place, same day that I met my husband who died. Oh, my gosh. In How interesting. Bowen Alley on June, yeah, June 1st. In a bowling alley, the same bowling alley, to a league that That I didn't even want to go to. (laughs) That is very, very odd, Sandra. Wow. So he he was my angel. And I think that's why in the beginning that I was trying to associate him with Leo is because it it kind of fell into place the same way, the same way I didn't want to meet Leo because I had been married and divorced. But, Mm -hmm. you know, as time goes on, he was not him. He's nothing like him, and, and that made it pretty good. I'm <laughs> You know, one of but, the one of the things I'm thinking when we're talking about this is sexuality is something that doesn't get talked about much. And and one of the things that's really hard is having sex with person after you've had any kind of a loss, you know, having that experience of of surrendering, oh, yeah. you know, oh, to, to any work. kind. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that must it have been... was a total disaster. <laughs> but again, like well, I said, my husband was so understanding. <laughs> it was well, all I could I started crying. Absolutely, as as the imagine. first time we did, I started crying, and I and all he did was hold me. I mean, he he knew he knew what well, he. And, and I guess fear, he expected the fear it. of the fear of reinvesting in new relationships, especially Sandra, from where you come, literally and figuratively, the fear we all have in reinvesting in new relationships because people die and people that we love may die again. And so it's scary to reinvest in a new and another mm-hmm. relationship. And it was also after that, uh, that first initial time with Paul that I, I realized, you know what, this is a turning point in my life. I can wallow in my sorrow or I can get up and go with the flow and see what happens. And I decided to get up and go with the flow and my life has turned out wonderful. I have no regrets. I guess I, if I had to choose a regret, that was certainly a regret that I couldn't spend the rest of my life with Leo, but he taught me many, many things, and he led me to this path, and, you know, if our life is pre-programmed and this was what I was supposed to do, I know I've helped many, many people in the past 25 years, and that makes my life worth it. That's great. Well, now your your book, Death Without Notice, is it, that's out of print, and Death 101, are they both out of print? Not that I know of. Oh, they're I, not. My death oh, I don't know why I thought they were. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> That's okay. No, my first book was Death Without Notice. It's all about uh, sudden death in the family system. You know, when a spouse dies, when right. a child dies, you know, and so on. My second book is Death 101. I use that in my teachings at Barry University. I teach oh, the theology of death and dying. So it's a textbook. And then my third book is Pet Death, which... You know, we have a lot of that happening here at hospice. A lot of the patients who are dying, they don't know what to do with their pets. Family members don't mm-hmm. want them. And so mm-hmm. we try to find homes for them. And now I've started a little program for pet's sake ah. that we can um, <laughs> adopt out pets 
It seems like I seem to take quite a bit of them. Uh, now, <laughs> now, five acres in Florida, I take quite a few of the pets that now, seem to be. Now, abandoned. what if we have some listeners who'd like to get a dog from you or, or check into it and see what you've got? Do you have any oh, a website? That or? would be fine. How do they that get a hold of you? Um, well, I would just call. I'll give you my work number. Okay. Treasure Coast Hospice. And my direct line is 772-546-2880. Okay, great. And and how about your books? How can they get a hold and of those? And that's also if they ever need to talk to me. If anyone wants to talk to me one-on-one, they can feel free to call me and I'll call them back if they need to. Well, what a nice um, offer. Oh, I don't mind at all. It's all part of the job. Do you want to give them and, your website um, for that, too? Well, my website is being revamped right now. Oh, okay. They can, for any of the books, they can go on um, Amazon.com or or to um, the publisher is Baywood Publishing Company. Okay, great. And if they add, just say they're a friend of, of Sandra's and maybe they can get 10% discount. <laughs> wow, that's nice. Well, when did you start writing uh, after your husband died? Did you, um, when did you write well, Death Without Notice? Well, he died in 84. He died in 84. I didn't start writing until 89. And my husband now is the one who uh, kind of encouraged me to write the book. He saw all the things I was doing and said, you should put this stuff in writing. And I, I sat down to write it and couldn't do it. I just fell apart every time I would try to write about the, the episode. So then I, I went and talked to a, a counselor that I knew when I, a coworker in, on Long Island, and she said, you know what, you never did. And I said, what? And she said, you need to write him a letter. I uh-huh. said, who? She said, Leo. And I said, Leo? You know, like shocked. But to me, that was one of the most cleansing, cathartic things I ever did. Because then uh-huh. I, the guilt just vanished. The guilt vanished. Because I wrote him a letter, you know, dear Leo, I love you, and this so-and-so, and I'm, you know, I'm angry because you left me, and all of this kind of stuff. And then at, by the end of the letter, I was crying so hysterically. The tears were still on the paper. And it's in the first book. It's in the preface of the first book. But I I finally got it out of my system. I had never told anyone, really, the emotional part, you know, mm-hmm. the fears of being without him. Never talked about it because I couldn't. I was crying all the time. So writing and, really helped. And Sandra, what did you do after? So writing really was cathartic. What did you do with the letter? Did you mail it? Did you keep it? I mean, what did you do <laughs> after you wrote it? Well, I was in a death and dying class at the time. That's the teacher that um, I had taken death and dying with. And she said, you know, I always tried to get you to publish that letter, but you wouldn't do it. And she, she said, here's a conference that's coming up, ADEC. That's how I get introduced to ADEC. She says, I want you to send this in as a student paper. Just give the, the information before the letter and what, what happened and all, and then send a letter with it. Well, I won the award for this Mary E. Brown Award for the student paper wow. with an invitation to the conference. But, of course, I wouldn't go to the conference because that meant I would have had to stand up in front of all these people to talk, and I wasn't ready for that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, now I could stand up and talk to anyone yeah, being that I teach and all, but not at that point, too vulnerable. And so I took the award, and then uh, the same teacher said, you should take that award, this little book report, and send it off to a publisher. And I did, and I got 17 letters of rejection. <laughs> so I said, you know what, this isn't working. 
So I put it down, and then one day I saw an advertisement for Baywood Publishing Company, and their Death and Dying series was in my own backyard on Long Island, practically. So I wrote them a letter, and here we are today. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. Wow. Well, Sandra, thank you so much for being on the show, and, and you're a real inspiration. Well, anytime. And it uh, was wonderful meeting you and uh, having you on the show, and hopefully we'll see you at the next ADAC conference. I will see you in Miami, hopefully. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and thank uh, great, and thanks to you, Gloria and Heidi. Thank Take you. Take care, and you both have a wonderful day. Thanks. Thank you for all the work you're doing and all the lives you're touching. Well, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having the show. Well, stand, stand for a minute. We'll talk to you after. Okay. Uh, well, Heidi. Thank you. Thanks. Well, Heidi, it's been a great show today, hasn't it? And isn't uh, Sandra an inspiration? She absolutely is, and I love her honesty. I think it's so important for so many people out there who've had similar loss and similar experiences. Absolutely. And for the people who have uh, kind of little funky situations where it's not easy to talk about the death, um, where something, it happened in, in a strange way or a way that they feel some kind of guilt, for her to come on, it, it's well, just wonderful. Well, I was going to say, Mom, I think, I think themes of trauma and guilt run through many, many kinds of loss. In fact, I think most losses are traumatic, even if you knew that the person was going to die. So, I mean, I think those kind of themes are really important. And like we've seen, Sandra found hope again, even even despite a very, very traumatic loss. Yeah, and the fact that she's been able to write these books and do all the work she's doing, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Well, we hope that you'll tune in again uh, next week. Remember, our shows are posted on the Open to Hope site every Thursday at 9 o'clock Pacific Standard Time and at 12 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. You've been listening to the Open to Hope show with Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.